You're listening to The Right to Be Catholic with Sean A.R. Brought to you by the Eastern Catholic Re-Evangelization Center. Welcome, everybody, to the Right to Be Catholic podcast, where we tackle everyday issues that we as Catholics face in our modern world today. I'm your host and Catholic speaker, Sean A.R. So today, uh, we will focus on a topic that's near and dear to my heart, is defending the faith, right? We're going to talk about why it's important, how to probably go about defending the faith, and the beauty of what we get as Catholics, as Christians, in defending our faith. So, the Bible quote I want to reference today, uh, and bear with me, is from 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 22. And it goes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sounding sound teaching but have itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths as for you always be sober minded endure suffering do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry as beautiful in a nutshell that's saying be ready, defend the faith. So, in studio with me today, I have two awesome guys. Uh, I have subdeacon Jeff Kassab. Jeff, thank you for thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Now you're a Catholic theologian, correct? Mm-hmm. You have your BA from the Sacred Heart Seminary. Yes, and you're working on your. You told me your master's. My right master's now, in degree theology. in theology. Yes, and you also do Bible studies. Yes, I think you have a YouTube channel too. Correct? Yes, I have a YouTube channel yeah. where I do many Bible studies on there and uh, talks and stuff like that. Yes, so you defend the faith. That's part of all the time. Yes, all the time. Amazing. Anywhere I go, uh, whether it's online at work or wherever I have a chance or when somebody, you know, has something that uh, is against our faith, um, I'm there to defend it. And that's, uh, you know, that's that's what I, one of the main reasons I, I went to study. And I think that's the job of actually every Catholic is to defend the faith. So you're like, in essence, you're like a warrior for God. Yeah, we're right. all soldiers. We're all so, yeah. we're building that army, as Pilar says. We're building that army, right. right? Well, another warrior for Christ I have with us in the studio today is Pilar Saki. Pilar, Pilar thank you for joining. Hey, us. thanks, John, so much. So Pilar and I are not theologians, but you know. We're here trying our best. We're big fans of Jeff Kassab. Right, we're big fans of Jeff Kassab, correct. And we're big fans of Jesus Christ. I love myself Amen. Jesus Amen. Christ. Right. Jeff, you and I were talking earlier about uh, your journey into becoming the man you are today, yes. becoming the theologian you are today. You want to share that with us, please? Yeah, yeah. It's been a long journey, I can tell you that. And uh, before I start with anything, you know, everything that happened to me, all glory goes to Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, um, so... You know, all my life growing up, I was I was a Catholic. You know, I went to church Sundays. I was an altar servant. I was a young boy. I, you know, prayed my rosaries here and there. I, I did what I had to do as a Catholic. But really, uh, for 42 years of my life, I really never knew who Jesus Christ was until I got um, I got cancer at 42 years old. I had colon cancer, and um, you know it's, it was a rough journey. I had to go through chemo and radiation, and um, it's a long story. But I, I really don't want to go into all of it here. But that's one of the reasons why I'm here today is because the journey I went through, the suffering I went through, kind of brought me to 
wow, I really met Jesus Christ for the first time. You know, when I, I found out I had this disease and I found out, you know, um, uh, you know, what's my destiny? What's going to happen to me? Um, I met Jesus. And um, in a in a good way, uh, some people think suffering is bad, um, but until you learn what redemptive suffering means, you'll never really understand uh, the joy in suffering. As Saint Paul says, we rejoice in our suffering. We we, we unite our suffering. Yes, right. How can one say I rejoice in my suffering? And until you understand, until you've been through it, you never really understand truly what how much joy can happen and how much fruits can happen out of suffering. So, uh, thank, uh, thank the Lord. I was healed, um, through prayers and through Jesus. And of course, through my patron saint, which is St. Padre Pio. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he did a lot, uh, so much, in, so much intercession for me. We need another whole podcast on inter- intercessory <laughs> saints, right? The miracles, right. at least they've done in my lives. I'm sure you guys have all had experience with that. So about a year and a half later, I went through chemo radiation and surgeries came out. Everything was good. I was, like Thank I God. said, thankfully healed. And, um, uh, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm at your service. Whatever you want for me, I'm there. You know, people say your will, not mine. Yes. But did I really mean it? That's the thing, right? Well, you do I, now. I, yeah, I do now. So at the time, you know, people say, you know, hey, prayers are never answered. Well, you know, be careful what you ask for because they do get answered. So for six months, the Lord was telling me, Jeff, you need to go back to school, seminary. All I kept hearing was seminary, 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 seminary. Nothing else. And for six months, honestly, Sean, I, I said no. I said no to the Lord. You know, when, when the Lord asks you to do something, it requires a, a, a life change, a lifestyle change. And a lot of us don't want to do that. So I was 43 years old. Um, I haven't been to school in 25 years. Seminary is no joke. Yeah. Reading, writing, homework. I don't have time for that, Lord. And you have a family. I got a family. Too. I have well, a kid in college, a daughter in high oh, school. Wow. You know, I'm Lord, listen, I'll help you any other way, but not this. I'm cool. My life is going good. I'm okay. I'm healed. I just keep telling him no, and I'll be honest with you. On that door. I kept knocking on the door. Six months later, my wonderful wife Adam says to me, "You look miserable." <laughs> Without her even knowing, that wonderful wife, yeah, miserable. yeah. Thank you, baby. Without even her even knowing, I never told her what the Lord was asking from me. She just knew something was wrong. She goes, "What's wrong?" I said, "Well, this is what Jesus is asking from me." Her words came out of her mouth was, "How long can you say no to the Lord?" It's a good wife. Yes, she really is. And she's a good cook. So I, I, I'm <laughs> coming that, over. That explains your yeah. fears, Jim. 29 years. 29 years. <laughs> well, this yeah. is why. Why you look so thin. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I prayed on it. Two days later, I went to the seminary in 2013. I applied. I got letters of recommendation. I got accepted. Five years later, I graduated with a BA in theology, and I'm now here with my master's preaching the word of God, um, Bible studies, apologetics. I teach the catechism of the Catholic Church, um, men's groups, marriage prep. Um, you have I, a podcast. I have a podcast. We're, we're starting Genesis, a podcast. Genesis 4-9. Uh, Genesis 4-9 podcast, YouTube channels. And I literally was just in Australia uh, preaching the word to um, our Down Chaldeans. Wow. Yes, our Chaldeans there. Father Matthew invited me for a youth ministry. So 
I'm on fire for Jesus Christ as you guys are, and um, I love what I'm doing. I wish I could do it full time. Amen to that, yeah. Jeff. You know, you mentioned how the Lord sometimes uh, He puts us through the fire, yeah. right? So the analogy I always I heard it long time ago. I was on a retreat at on Manresa, uh, in Manresa, and it was like I think it was a silent retreat, but of course they talked. We just didn't and that was hard for me because I love to talk. If yeah. anybody knows who I am, I love to. Doesn't talk. show at all. Right. Doesn't show at all, Sean. Yeah. Right. But so the priest there said this. He said the analogy of God sometimes putting us through the fire. He said, "Think of the blacksmith. When the blacksmith gets his materials to work with, they're very dirty, right? They're very grimy. They're full of dirt and everything on there. So what does he do? He throws it in the fire, purifies it. Right. So what happens is it breaks down all the material that is not needed, yeah. and it gives you all only the metal. Yeah. And then he pounds away at the metal and shapes it to what he wants it to look like. Amen. And then again, what he does, he shines it until he sees his own reflection in it. So to me, and he said, beautiful. he said, that's just, that's Jesus Christ. Sometimes when he wants us to do something, he throws us in the fire. I would have never went to the seminary if Jesus didn't break me. He, he purified me. He broke me. He broke me. everything down. Yes, and he then he pounding the away at you. Right in the seminary until he formed you the way he wanted you, and he shined you so beautifully until he saw his own reflection yeah, in I you. I don't know about all that, but well, that's what it is, right? <laughs> Only reflection I get is off my head. That's about it. Yeah, no, no, it's yeah. there's a lot of truth to that, though. I mean, seldom yes. will you find somebody who has a very strong conversion or reversion story that wasn't put in the fire first. Yeah, I right. Mean, yeah, I mean, personally, I went through the same thing. Not not nearly as bad as you, Jeff, but very hard financial times, very hard things are happening in my marriage, and God put me in. The fire i told i never heard that before but it's beautiful Sean. beautiful yeah. yeah thank you no i i it's not mine i wish it yes, was no, no. but i heard it yeah. and I, I i love using that analogy when people tell me about their difficulties in life and how they came to the lord so a few topics that i want to get into about defending the faith why it's important the beauties of it the first thing i want to um ask you both the word apologetic mm. right uh, people always say the word and people say what does that mean are you apologizing for something yeah Jeff, give us a little insight. Jeff only does it to Halam, right? He only apologizes to Halam as well. Yes, yeah. So um, the word apologize in Christianity literally means to defend. Defend. To defend something, right? And you can use that word um, in in law or you can use it in anything. It's to defend something. Right. A stance you believe in. Yes. So in Catholicism, um, apologetic means to defend the Catholic faith. And that's pretty much basically, I mean, you know, we can get into the background, into Latin word, where it came from, but... Um, it literally means to defend the faith. So, yeah. so, so people might refer to someone as a apologist. Yeah. Correct? So an apologist, for example, we have uh, many of them. Like uh, I always refer back to Catholic Answers where we have uh, like uh, Trent Horn. Trent Horn, I love that guy. It's great, I have many right? of his books. Yeah, Trent Horn and um, Carlo Broussard and uh, these guys. Who's that guy that just wrote the book, uh, The Bible is a Catholic Book? Uh, what's his name? I just I just actually downloaded it the other day. Yeah, he's also on Catholic Answers. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, but it's actually an amazing book so far. I've, I'm in like chapter five right now. Yeah, I have it on Audible, and I listen to my way to work. And wow. it's amazing. So these guys are full time Catholic apologists. That's what they do for a living. Um, besides writing books and all the stuff, but all their books have mostly stuff to do with apologists. Um, Jimmy Aiken. Jim, that's his name, Jimmy. Jimmy Aiken. He's a this guy Jimmy is Aiken. a walking encyclopedia. Yeah, not just him. about the faith. I yeah. mean, he's got the period. 
periodic table memorized, and he he, he does, he's not even a, a chemist or whatever. Yeah. So the guy's amazing. I love him. He's yeah, great. But he wrote that book. He that wrote, so that's about. him. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's basically referencing that how people always oftentimes say like, oh, Catholics are not about the Bible, but if you go back to the basics, the Bible is there because of Catholics. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Good. Uh, so something I want to touch on. A lot of times we hear people say, why do I have to defend the faith? Right? Why do I have to say something? It's not affecting me. Well, can I, I mean, from, for me, yeah. one of the Why? biggest things that I, um, that brought me back to the faith, because I was raised kind of a Christmas and Easter Catholic and didn't really CEO. see. I'm a CEO. Christmas, Christmas and Easter, Easter only. only. The yeah. Christ, right? The Christ. Yes. And that was only when we pretended to go to Christmas and Easter Mass. Sometimes we didn't even go. So it wasn't a big part of our family. It wasn't a big part of my life. I didn't understand the why. And it wasn't until, again, I was put in the fire maybe a little bit. Right. But then I also, at the same time, the way God showed me that way was he introduced me to some people who who weren't afraid to say how much they love Jesus. And they weren't afraid to say this is a good way to live. And they didn't do it by preaching and they didn't do it by judging. They just were themselves, but they weren't afraid. They weren't afraid to say those things out loud. And they changed my life. They never knew it, they, but they absolutely changed my life. And I look at that and say, what if they didn't? What if they said, you know what, I'm not going to say this stuff out loud. I'm not going to proclaim that these things are, are the truth. Then I never would have heard those things, and who knows where my life would be. I owe those men a lot, and I look at that and I say, I owe it to them and to God to pay, the, pay, pay that forward. Right. So another thing I often hear is, um, I don't want to offend anybody by what I'm saying. And I always tell people, like, you're not offending this person by what you're saying. They're offended by what you're saying, which is the truth. So in actuality, they're offended by the truth. They're offended by their own lifestyle. Jesus offended many people. Yeah. Read scripture. His own disciples. No, they crucified him for it. Jesus Jesus offended all the scribes, all the Pharisees, all the high priests, right? Because they were so caught up in their traditions and their so-called laws and all. He called them all out. He called them hypocrites. Yes. Yeah. You know, you know, we we, we use the hypocrites now as, oh, you hypocrite. But, you know, back then to call a priest or a scribe a hypocrite was a serious thing. I mean, they took it seriously. So imagine if Jesus... Did not offend anybody. He was like, oh, I'm not going to offend that person. I right? don't want to offend them. Yeah. In, in John chapter six, when he talked about the Eucharist, he said, this is, he mentions it seven times, one after the other, that this is my body. This is my blood. You must eat it to have eternal life. You must drink it to have eternal life. His disciples, they, you know, he had about 200, fl- followers, Who can right? Who such a thing? Yeah, no, they, they a said, lot of them went away, I heard. Yeah, the only, they heard, they're like, oh, wait a minute, this guy, I don't know what he's talking about, eating his body, it's and a, went away. It's a hard teaching, right? And that, believe it or not, that verse is in John 666, right? The verse wow. comes up where many wow. of his disciples six, six. left. Peter comes up to him and says to him, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus asked Peter, are you guys going to leave too? Peter said to him, you have the words of eternal life. You have the words of truth. So those guys got offended. Did Jesus call them back? I'm like, no, guys, I, I come didn't on. Mean to offend you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't my body. Don't come on back. Body. I was just kidding. It's it's symbolic. Don't worry about it. Come he didn't no. say symbolic. You know what yeah. he said? Have a nice day. <laughs> the he, truth is the truth. Yes, he did not water down the gospel. No. And this is what we cannot do. I will not water down the gospel because I don't want to offend somebody. I've had people walk out of my Bible studies. I'll pray for you. God bless you. This is the truth of the church. You know, I always tell people, 
it's the it's actually the opposite for like uh, as us as Catholics, you think we're offending you, but in actuality, it's because we love you so much, and because we know what we're saying is true. Why wouldn't I want to tell you it, right? If so, if I truly believe what I'm saying, then I'm going to fight for it till the end, yeah. and I'm going to tell you it, right? And if I love you, and I want you to know the beauty and the like. And I want you to feel what I feel, right? And know what I know. I'm going to tell you it too. But yeah. you might take it as an offense. But uh, actually, I'm not. I'm helping yeah. you. I, I want. Go ahead, Jeff. No. We, as Catholics, as Christians, we want everybody in heaven with us. Yeah. We want him. I want you in heaven with me as, as much as I don't admit it. I want Pilar next to me. Did you just you say something nice? <laughs> Stop. You don't want me there, bro. Pilar, he loves you, bro. But it's not this true. is our job. I mean, I, I love you guys as brothers. I, you know, I want us to get to heaven. The only way to do it is to preach the gospel and to preach the truth. You know, Jesus Christ is the only one that has the truth. People, Why do people get offended? I'll tell you why to get offended. Because they don't want to hear the truth. Truth hurts. They don't want to change their lifestyle. They don't want to stop partying. They don't want to stop drinking. They don't want to stop smoking. They don't want to stop sinning sinning is fun let's be honest and the yeah, average person yeah. tells you hey man it's fun Nishan, you touched on something though that i think is, is is kind of the core of this whole conversation is it comes off as judgmental right? right and i think i look i look back to myself before i really came back to the faith in a strong way i did feel that way i felt like when people got on the pulpit and told me i was doing something wrong they felt like i felt like they were judging me they're better than me they're holier than me that's you know who are these people and so what as humans we're gonna sit and rationalize and go that person's crazy mm-hmm. right and now i look back now that i'm on this side of the uh, of the coin and i think to myself what was impactful to me what mattered testimony we talk about all the time in men's ministry and even marriage ministry testimonies are powerful because what testimonies do testimonies say look this is the truth I'm flawed like i am are. flawed and this is how the truth fixed a flawed piece of garbage like me that's why testimonies are powerful and i think in evangelizing and apologetics if you can find ways to work that in it's much more powerful than yeah. that, that preachy from the pulpit you know people always talk about uh priests like uh, they say oh you know priest is not better than me why is he going to tell me what what to do in my life not just the priest but i'm using the priest as a reference right now so father patrick one time on this podcast he mentioned this and i love that he said the first thing they taught him in seminary says uh, they said that a priest is a sinner chosen among sinners to lead sinners mm-hmm. so amen they're flawed the same way we are and yeah. we we're, listen we do in this podcast by no means myself i can speak for myself i don't know i'm sure you say the same thing about yourselves I'm nowhere near perfect. Yeah, Jeff's no. hot garbage. Yeah, no, he's, he's, I'm, uh, no, listen, no, go I'm, ask my siblings. Very far, yes. Go ask my siblings. Go ask my wife. They were like, you have a podcast? Yeah. Yes, I do. I'm like, yeah. Jesus, I love it. Yeah. But the thing is, the difference is, see, I was blessed to know the truth. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's something inside me that I feel like when I talk about God. When I teach it, it's just, it feels so right. It feels so natural. It feels so good. Yeah. Why wouldn't I want to share that with everybody? And what if, Sean, what if nobody told you? What if they held it to themselves? What if people who knew didn't say anything because they didn't want to seem weird? I'll leave it to myself. I, I'll right. tell you something. Why do I have to tell him? I didn't know how, I didn't know what Eucharistic adoration was till I was 30. Okay, and Eucharistic adoration had a huge impact on my life. To this day, has completely changed who I am as a person because I can go adore Christ in the Eucharist, and I love it. I am so frustrated with the church. I'm frustrated with my parents. I'm frustrated with the people in my life who knew about this, who didn't tell me for 30 years, and I had to go through life with all that pain and agony and stress and anxiety and 
it, the answer was sitting right in front of me, but people didn't want to say anything. People didn't want to tell me what the truth was and what the beauty of the Eucharist was because they thought they might sound weird. That bothers me. Until this day, it frustrates me. Listen, Jesus threw you in the fire for the 30 years till you found yourself. Really? It did. We'll go back to what Sean said, what the priest said. Yeah. It took you 30 years, man. But you know what? Sometimes it takes people, you know, all their lives. Sometimes they don't find Jesus to their deathbed. Yeah. So you're lucky you found him at 30. Amen to that. You know? Listen, you know, and you can't blame like our parents. I'm not saying that they were wrong, but they were only given what they were given. Yeah. Right? Nowadays, we're blessed with technology. Now, technology has a lot of bad things it can come with, but a lot of beautiful things, too. We have computers in our pockets. We all have them on this table right now. Our phones, right? We can look up any Bible verse, any scripture, whatever we want. We can listen to podcasts, right? Like the Genesis 4-9 podcast or the Right to Be Catholic right. podcast. Great podcast. Great podcast, Great podcast, I podcast. tell you. Amazing. <laughs> you should all subscribe to it. Yes. Right? So th- these are all at our disposal, right? We can read the Bible on our phone. We can have it read to us. It can break it down for us, right? They didn't have that. One, one. You know, and I, I, told, I totally get that. But what about the church? You know, I'm not trying to call out anybody, right? right? But from, a, from, I think there was a very traditional sense of the church that got lost somewhere in my generation where when I would go to mass, I had no idea what was going on. When I found out the beauty that is happening within that hour and how every movement and every word means something so profound and spiritual, and I didn't know that till I was 30, 35 years old. Again, that frustrates me, right? So that from a, from an evangelization standpoint, what do we have, what what were we missing? What 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 do we have to change to make sure that we're pushing that message out? Well, thank God now we're talking about it, and yeah. it's it, listen. It only works, and Jeff. You'll you'll say this too. It only works if we all get involved and we all do this. And it goes back to that that second question I asked. Why should I say something? Well, you should say something because Pilar, you would have never known yeah. Jesus the way you know if someone didn't do something. If I don't teach my children and my friends and my family yeah. and the people at work and stick up for what is right, who will? Yeah. If we all just say, nah, it's okay, I'm not going to say anything, and like how you said, the faith will go away. First Corinthians one, First Corinthians uh, twelve eleven. I'm sorry, tw- yeah, twelve eleven. For just as one body. Is one and has many members. All the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. We are all one body. Something, if something I do is going to affect the body of Christ, if I don't teach the faith, if I don't teach the truth, as in Jesus commanded us in Matthew twenty-eight sixteen, He told the disciples, "Go, preach, teach all nations everything I have taught and commanded you." Right. If I don't do that, if you don't do that, if Pilar doesn't do that, if Pilar doesn't teach anybody about Eucharist adoration, the guy he didn't taught might be 40 by the time he figures it well, out. He just did it right you now. Know? So, Paul. yeah. So the, the, this is, it affects all of us. And, and I think it's all of our jobs. It's, it wasn't just the job of the 12 apostles to evangelize. Jesus gave that message to all of us. That's the great commission for all of us in our lives to go out literally to the ends of the earth Listen, and, and evangelize. I'm not a walking by. Bible like you, so I don't know what I don't know what verse this is from, but the one that came to mind when you said this was, "As iron sharp, sharpens iron, one man sharpens another." So Proverbs, it, Proverbs. Okay, so it's Proverbs, right? That's why. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, Pilar, you said it earlier, and Jeff, you you just said it a minute ago too. We have to go out there. We have to help one another. We have to do this, right? So, if we want to sharpen each other, well, look. Here's the thing: when I die. People will remember me for things, right? They might remember me for the job that I had. Probably not. 
but they, what I want them to remember me for is a man who loved Jesus as the guy who brought me to Christ. That, that to me says success more than anything I can put in my account, Amen. Yeah. more than anything that I can do on this place. Yeah. Well, I'm finding more and more that you and I are a lot alike. <laughs> but you only have two kids. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> you got the potential in you, Sean. I right, see right. it. I mean, yeah. Nine, I don't know. But maybe three, four, I don't know. Whatever the Lord gives you. Right. Amen. So one thing I want to talk about, too, is we said this earlier, I don't want to be judgmental, right? So where is that line where we cross, where speaking the truth versus not being judgmental? Jeff, in your experience as a theologian. Where is that line? Like, I don't want to be judgmental and think that you, I'm judging you yeah. by what I'm saying, but this is the truth. It has to be said. Yeah. So when we're when we to be, when people say you're judgmental, it means you're it means you're already condemning them. You just say, listen, you're doing all, when you tell somebody that they're doing all these things, well, you, what you're saying is, like, if you don't stop, you're going to go to hell, right? So when people say you're judgmental, it means they usually take it as you're condemning them to hell, right? Which is really not what we're doing. My, m- me telling you the truth is going to, is I want you to stay out of hell, right? If anything, if anything, what I'm doing is saving you, right? from eternal damnation. So I I, I, I'm, I never try to be judgmental and all, in all my conversations and all my debates, listen, everyone, I'm not judging you. This is just the truths of the church. If you take it as judgmental, then there's something on your soul, right, that's bothering you or on your conscience that's bothering you. But I never, you know, I, I always, my final, you know, it has to be done in love. If you cannot evangelize in love, in charity, and in brotherhood, then don't evangelize at all. Because all you're going to do, and I've had many experiences of this over Facebook with debating with people. That's dangerous. And I call people out. I say, you're not doing this with love. That's the first thing I tell them. When I see them, like if it's you know a, a Lutheran or a Protestant or whatever, a lot of them don't do it out of love. A lot of them are judgmental toward us Catholics. They don't see that, but you can see it in the way that they respond to your answers. So it has to be done out of love. And sometimes I remind my own Catholic friends, I'll I'll mess them on the side. Listen, you're not preaching in love, right? You know, I've come across this in my life myself when I preach to others or tell them, hey, this is what the Catholic Church says. Not what we believe; it's what we. It, this it's a firm stand. This is what our 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 cat. Or what is it? The uh, the, the catechism. The Catholic catechism of Catholic faith. C-C-C. It says right, and they say like that's very judgmental. Listen, I'm not offending you. You're offended because your lifestyle doesn't fit what I'm saying. So you go and you live your lifestyle the way you want to. That's that's on you. But I'm just telling you, this is what God Almighty said to live. Right. This is the way he told me to, to live. Yeah. This is where I'm going to live. And I'm trying to help you and tell you this is the way you should. It's your choice at that point to take it or not. So over the years, I take it a step further. Uh, in all these years doing apologist, apologetics and Bible studies, people don't, a lot of times, okay, this is what the Catholic Church says, but that's not enough. Why does the Catholic Church say it? Like, why does the Catholic Church say that... Um, abortion is wrong, 
right? Why does a Catholic church say that contraception is wrong? You can't just tell somebody contraception is wrong because the church says it. Me, first of all, me, I'm not going to believe something just because the church says it. Correct. There has to be, you have to tell me why you believe it, right? Mm -hmm. And once you prove your your standings and your beliefs of the church, people have a much more deeper understanding of why we believe it. And of course, everything we believe is out of scripture, and, is and out of word of God. And you probably see this all the time, Jeff, is the first time someone hears the why, light bulbs go off. They oh, can't yeah. believe it. Whether yeah. you're talking to Protestants or Catholics who just didn't know. Yeah. Why is premarital sex wrong? And you give you have that conversation and they go, oh, Oh, that makes a lot more sense than just because they're always, know, they're always just told they just you don't don't, you, do, don't do that exactly. like fear of God instead of like coming out of a place of love. Yes, you said hundred like, percent. Don't do this because you're going to go to hell. Oh, okay, I'm not doing that. But why? Yeah, right? the explanation of what God's plan is for somebody and that for the first time they hear that they're like, this is more than just some guy in Rome says I can't do something. This is this is the natural way of things that God had in place for me. Yeah. That can be powerful. Yes, the faith needs to be explained, and and people will say, "Well, I'm not equipped to explain the faith. I don't. Not everybody has a theology degree. Not everybody, but you don't need one, right?" And we'll get into some few steps then in a, in a minute. So that's actually my next question to you: like, how myself, Pilar, anybody listening to this podcast, how do we go about learning more about defending the faith? Yeah. How do I how do I properly defend the faith? <clears throat> what what can I do? What tools do you have? There's five easy steps, Sean, right? And they, okay, so they might sound easy to me and I might read them and the guy said, well, that's too hard. So let's just take it a step at a time, right? If you don't know scripture, that's the first step. If you don't know scripture, if you've never opened the Bible, by all means, open the Bible. First, open the Bible. Don't get in a debate with somebody about purgatory when you don't know where it's at in the Bible. You don't know what it means. You don't know what it does. You don't know why the Catholic Church teaches it. All you know is that the Catholic Church says that when I die and I have sins that are haven't been um, um, cleansed. cleansed, I got to go to purgatory. That's all you know. Do not take on the subject of purgatory when That's you know not nothing enough, about it. No, it's not. Okay. Unfortunately, it's not enough, right? So you have to be informed. You have to know scripture. I'm not telling you to open up the book of the Bible and start at Genesis and go to Revelation. First of all, that's the wrong way to read the Bible. I would never What's recommend the that. Way, in your opinion? So I just had this discussion last week in my class. Somebody said, I, I don't read the Bible that much. How should I start? I gave her an honest opinion. I start with the New Testament, right? I don't start with Matthew because it's first. I don't start with John. John is complicated. By all means, you don't go to Revelations because even Catholic theologians don't understand Revelations, yeah, I right? Read I read it. I, said, okay. I start at Mark. I tell them Mark sixteen chapters. It's the shortest chapter. It's the shortest gospel in the in the, in the in the Bible, right? It's very simple. You start with a passage. You open it up. What happens is you're reading a Bible that has um, footnotes. This footnote. You're reading a scripture. You look in the footnote. Oh man. This is reference to the Old Testament. Let's say I go to Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 23. I go back to Psalms 23. Wow. So what am I doing? I'm bringing the the new and the old together. How do they work together? Because let me tell you, if, if somebody says, man, I read the Bible, I open it up and I stopped reading it. How far did you get? Oh, most of them don't get past Noah. 
Wow. It's like it's still in Genesis. It's still in Genesis. It's still in Genesis. <laughs> because let's be honest, it's confusing. It's a lot of it's names. It's hard. It's a yeah, lot of things. names. Yeah, right? Leviticus in your Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Leviticus has six hundred and some laws. How do they So start simple. Start with Mark. Go back and forth to reference. If you don't understand a part of scripture, fine. Skip it. Go to the next paragraph. Don't say, I don't understand this. It's too confusing. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to close that book. The quicker you close it, the less you know about God. How much success are you going to have with a Protestant if you don't know the scriptures? Right? You're zero <laughs> success. You'll get, you'll get because they know the book inside oh, and out. They know, it, they know it great. I commend them for that. Mm-hmm. You know, they know Absolutely. it great. And But honestly, if we pay attention to scripture during Mass, we actually know a lot of scripture, but we don't know the theology behind scripture, right? This is why the church has a magisterium, which is the teaching office of the church. Mm-hmm. We have scripture, we have tradition. This is like a three-legged stool. You cannot, the, you, um, you can't have one of these. You cannot take away tradition. The stool will fall. Right. You can't take away the magisterium, which is the teaching office of the church, will fall. And you can't take away the word of God. You got to have all three. So it's not like right? sola scriptura. Sola scriptura. It's not like that. Yeah. People say, well, you guys, uh, there's so many things you do that are not in scripture. No, we have a lot of th- Most things we believe is in scripture, but we also have sacred tradition, which, which is was handed down from the apostles. Before the Bible was oh, ever written. 100%. Um, you know, even the apostles, um, sacred tradition, 2 Thessalonians 2.15. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or letter. It's clear. But Protestants interpret it different, right? We have apostolic succession. So many people don't know about this. Apostolic succession, Titus 1.5, which nobody reads Titus because it's very short, right? (laughs) But look how important this is. Where do we get apostolic succession? The reason I left you in Create was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Bishops. Yeah, St. Paul is telling him, listen, bishops, priests, go to the next town. Bishops, priests, appoint. Point him, go. Apostolic succession. Beautiful. Everything we do is based on scripture, Sean. That's, that's, that's step one. Number one, you got to know scripture, right? If you don't know scripture, get informed with scripture. Read the catechism. Uh, the catechism can be confusing. Get the compendium. It's a lot smaller. It explains the catechism in very simple notes for the average person to read it. Jeff, you re- oh, good. Sorry, Jeff, have you ever heard of uh, or seen the book Trent Horn's Why We Are Catholic? Yes. Oh, I love that. Very, it's amazing. Very, very shallow entry point yeah. into a but lot of what you're talking about, I love how he dumps everything down. He, just talks, he talks to you about like why we believe what we believe. And right. he, he references scripture and the catechism all day. He's also, he's also a historian, so he always references like, the history, how it talks about like Jesus Christ and how, not even from the Bible, but like Jewish mm-hmm. theologians. The Jewish roots. Right, how it talks about there was a man and he was mur- he was crucified under the reign of Pontius Pilate. And all the historians. So, yeah. He's, yeah. so he's, go, he's, he's referencing to Josephus. Mm-hmm. Josephus. Yes, he, exactly. was a, he was a Jewish historian right. in, the first, in, the, before the, in the first century. And he wrote he said, "There's a group of there's a group of people that are, that claim a man rose from the dead, and they are and they are eating. He even references they're eating um, bread. 
he references the body and blood of Christ. Yeah, and that's not even in the Bible. That's that's Jewish. Yeah, that's Jewish right? historian. Yeah. yeah, Josephus. He's great. He has a lot of ref- a lot of writings about him. You mentioned reading the Bible, and you mentioned reading the Catechism of the Catholic Faith. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific Bible? Like as Catholics that we should be reading, you know, people always say like, "Oh, I have this King James Bible." Like, no, different no, different translations, yeah. right? Is there a specific one that's so, Catholics that we should be reading? Okay, so I, I only recommend two. Go ahead, right? Uh, the NAB, which stands for the New American Bible, New American Bible, the Latin Rite Church. That's what they base all their Sunday and weekday readings off okay. of. The NAB, New American Bible. Okay, the Chaldean Church, the Eastern Rite. We use the NSRV, the New Revised Standard Version. New Revised Standard Version. NSRV, or you can use just the RSV, Revised Standard Version. Okay, good. That's what we use. Um, That's the closest translation that we have to the original Greek. For me, I don't read the NAB. It's a little bit, the words, It's the gospel's not watered down. The words, I don't like some of the translations, but it's a personal thing. Some people understand the NAB more, all power to you. It's it's the same meanings. I just, for me, I like the RSV okay. because of the, the wording and the translation. That's good. Thank you for that. I wanted to know that myself. Yes, and also, the simple way to remember, you open up any Catholic Bible in the first page, there's an imprimatur and a Neil Opstat. These tell you one is a bishop, one's a priest. When you see those two in there, you automatically know this Bible is approved by the Catholic Church. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Yep. So let's go to step two. Yes. So step two. So step one was be informed, right? The catechism of the Bible. Step two is be prudent. All right. Be prudent. One thing that I've learned is that you can't tackle every false argument that comes in your way. Even me. I mean, as much, I've been doing this for 10 years. Man, I've been debating this Calvinist for the past six months. Man, he's throwing some stuff at me. Like, wow. (laughs) Where is this guy getting this from? Of course, it's crazy theology, right? Sure. Because he's um, he's a Calvinist. And and Calvin was a great theologian, but very smart, very brilliant. But he kind of took things a little bit. It's part of the reform, right? It's part of the reform church, yeah, right? So be prudent, right? You're not going to be able to answer every question that uh, comes your way. So let things go. Right. Settle on some things. Say, listen, there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know the answer. I'll get it back to you. There's no shame in that. That's a lot better than saying the wrong thing. The wrong answer. Right. Um, So don't try to be a one man army. You're not going to answer every question. I'm not going to answer every question. Right. Um, So you'll burn out quickly and you won't be able to defend um, the faith very well. So be prudent. Step two. Step two, right? Step three. Stay calm. Stay calm. Stay calm. You know? I have trouble with that, but okay. But Lighten stay all out, Sean. Relax, right? bro. It's right. okay. I always get stay heated. Calm. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very important that you stay calm, right? Um, many people, uh, especially us Catholics, our emotions get in the way. Both said it at the same time. I'm trying to keep us, you know, like on the same. This is the right to be Catholic. We can talk about Chaldean stuff. (laughs) Um, I've seen on Facebook Catholics, Chaldeans, you bigot, you haters, you this, you that. I've seen Catholics tell Protestants you're going to hell. I've seen Protestants tell Catholics. No, that's not right. This is wrong. Stay calm, right? If you don't know, if somebody tells you the Immaculate Conception is not in Scripture, relax. If you don't know where it's at, ask someone who knows. Listen, it is in Scripture. I don't know where it's at, but I'll get back to you. 
right? Don't right away attack that person and say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know scripture. Mary is this. Mary is that. Uh, you know, you guys worship Mary. Oh, no, we don't. No, we yes, don't. we do. Yes, you do worship Mary. No, we don't. Right. Right. Um, so we have to stay calm. It's very, very important. I'm not going to lie. I've lost my cool a few sure. times, you know. So have I. Um, but um, you just have to kind of take a step back and, um, and, and you know, look overview the whole situation and say I'll get back with you okay right that's step three right yeah step four stay on topic this is so important if you're defending purgatory a lot of times when Protestants or other denominations see that you know this guy's making a little bit of sense they're going to take you off topic they're going to switch the subject they're going to take you to something else as hard as it is you need to come back to it okay as much as you want to answer the other questions and say hey no let I want to answer whatever he's no go back to purgatory stay clear on purgatory a Jehovah witness came to my house and said to me and we started talking and I said to her let's go let's go to John 1 1 and she said let's not <laughs> just want to go there. John one one says in the beginning was the word. The word was God, right? The words with God. They say the word was a God. Mm-hmm. They make they make not a trinity. Yeah, yeah. They separate Christ from God, a God. She doesn't want to go there. They think of it as three separate beings. Yes, as opposed to the, the trinitarian word. Yes, Jesus one, is not God one, to them. One divine person. He's not three. the Son of God. Yes. Yeah. So um, Step stay on topic, right? Next practice. Keep reading scripture. Um, keep uh, uh, keep practice the Catechism of Catholic Church. Practice on family members. You'd be surprised how many Catholics and family members in your family don't know the faith. They believe in purgatory because the church said so, and their parents told them that. What do you mean? A lot of people I know <laughs> only believe things like how we were talking. Pilar and I were saying earlier because they're told this is what you're supposed to believe. They never they never were told the why behind it. Yeah. How many uh, Pilar and I We did our uh, When we recorded Our first podcast We talked about the Eucharist Catholics In the pews 33% Don't believe In the real presence What's wrong with that? No listen You know know what's even crazier? I was telling my wife This the other day Um, I was reading about this Where um, A a Muslim Actually said this And I was like Wow that's so beautiful He said to To another Catholic I don't believe what you just said about the about the Eucharist? He said, "What do you mean?" He's like, he goes, "I don't believe it. You believe it." He said, "Because if I, as a Muslim, believe that that bread is Allah, right? I'm going to worship it twenty four seven. Oh, you heard it before? Yeah, two. yeah, I heard I'm this. I'm going to worship it. I'm going to fall. I'm going to faint in front of it. We're like, wow. Yeah, it's truth. You get an awesome Catholic man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as Catholics, we really have nothing to fear because the Catholic Church possesses the fullness of the truth. And there is no such thing as a Bible verse or an argument that we cannot defend, right? So we, we, we have the fullness of the truth. All other religions have parts of the truth, but we have the fullness of the truth. By the way, Jeff, I, yes. I, I just checked that stat. It's not that 33% don't believe. What was that wrong? 33% do believe. Oh, I'm sorry. 33, worse. Yes. Way 30, worse. So, 70, so 67%... Don't, don't believe in the wow. real presence, and they're receiving him every week. What's wrong with that picture, Sean? No, it's crazy, right? So defend the faith in your own family, right? <laughs> because we they don't to. know, right? This is the why. Yeah. So- Finally, the last thing you need prayer. You have to pray for you be able to understand the truths of the church. Without prayer, 
no ministry, no apologetics, no Bible study has any fruits to it. And we've all seen that, I think, in our lives without prayer, we get nowhere. Good. At that point, you're trying to do it. Exactly. It doesn't work. Exactly. No, you guys, this is very fruitful. I love this. Uh, I thank you both for coming on the podcast uh, and talking about defending the faith. It's important that we as Catholics who know, like how you said, the fullness of the truth, it's our duty. Right? Didn't Jesus say, like, I call you all to a royal priesthood? Right? We're, it's our duty to go out and preach, right, and preach the word. Again, see, you know the verses. Yeah. I know how to say them. You know the actual where they're located. Yeah. I love that. He's the walking revised standard version. <laughs> right. He's, yeah, he's, he's the new one. The right? WRSV. <laughs> right. So I'm going to. So. Again, I, I thank you both for coming on. Thank and you for having I, us. I want to close. Thank you. I want to close with this. So, if faith is reasonable, defending the faith can and can help clear away intellectual obstacles to faith and show that faith in Christ is reasonable. Though not everything in the Bible can be scientifically proven, there is far more proof that most Christians and non-Christians are aware of. So, as apologists. For our faith, it is our job to line up the available evidence, base our decisions upon it, and present the evidence to others to help give them an intellectual or intellect foundation for their decisions. Amen. 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 Yeah, it's very well put. So like I close every um, podcast with, I'm going to close this with, remember to go forth and that you have the right to be Catholic. Until next time. Thank you. God bless. You have been listening to an ECRC Martoma Productions podcast. To learn more about ECRC and all of our programs, go to ecrc.us.